0: I'm Melanie. I'm a compulsive over and under eater. Thank you so much for asking me to be here. Um, Kitchen Sink was a home meeting of mine a long, long time ago when it was at the other location. I've never been to this one. It's great, great to be here. Um, I will stick to the format of what happened, uh, what it was like, what happened, what it's like now. Um, I came into program in 1997. I was a teenager. Um, I had come out here for college on a scholarship and a whim, and I feel like. You know, it's and, and I tend to go on tangents, so I, I I do circle back. But I will just say about that, about even coming out to California. I'm from the East Coast. I had no designs ever on coming to California, and when I got a scholarship to school out here, I'm so happy that even even as I was in the throes of an eating disorder, but there was that little voice in me that was like, "Well, it's a sign. Just go. It's a sign." And my life, um, you know, so much of my disease is about control like wanting what I want but wanting to control everything and wanting to get away with things and I'm so glad that even even in the midst of all of that there's always been that little voice which I know now to be the voice of my higher power and my intuition which I try to live a lot more by now has guided me where I need to go the road hasn't looked anything like what I thought it was going to look like but that little voice that got me to California had I not come out here I don't know if I would have ended up in these rooms I don't know if I ever would have found recovery. I don't know if I'd still be alive. Like, my eating disorder honestly wants me dead, and if it's not physically dead, then mentally, emotionally, spiritually dead, living a life that is entirely self-centered, so small, so tiny, so scared, so all of that. So anyway, I came out here. um, I was in college, and what's so crazy is my first, I came in in 1997. My abstinence date is August 1st of 1998, And for that first year, all I know is that um, I know I cobbled together a little bit of abstinence, but I know I loved the social aspect of the program, or a lot of other young women in the program, and I loved that. But I know I didn't, I didn't really dig into the steps. I did a little step work, but I kind of made it look and sound really good and really pretty. But I didn't dive deep at all. So it didn't surprise me at all. I mean, it did in the moment, but looking back, it doesn't. That in about a week. So my natal birthday is at the end of July, and right around um, my birthday, I hit a new bottom with binging and with... Um, and then what was different this time is, is when that binge was done, um, I, I couldn't do my old tricks of starving and going to the gym for hours and hours and using laxatives. I couldn't do those things. And that's, that was my absolute bottom. I had been at some pretty low bottoms before, but I always had this illusion of control that I could somehow get myself out of it. And so that first year of program, I, I was kind of doing OA light, and it didn't work. And um, and when, when that happened, it was that, um, that coming to my needs that I needed. And I came back to program, and, well, I hadn't really left, but I came back in a new way. I got a sponsor that insisted I work the steps and work them thoroughly and deeply and held me accountable for that. Um, I went to, you know, I upped my meetings. I took commitments. I just did what everybody told me to do. And so since August 1st of 1998, I've been abstinent from binging, from any kind I never threw up but I I did abuse exercise I did abuse herbal laxatives and told myself they weren't laxatives because they were made of herbs but they did exactly the same thing because cuz my disease is so sneaky it's so sneaky and it loves to find ways for me to frame things for myself that I think I'm okay and I'm not doing anything wrong and I can get away with things not just with my food either in life I've you know accountability and responsibility and integrity are things I learned in here because prior to coming in here I was always trying to get away with things um, and I haven't, uh, I haven't done any form of, and again, I was, you know, I would, I would the, the pendulum would swing, so I would starve and, starve and starve and starve and then binge and binge and binge, so I never was hospitalized for anorexia, I was never so skinny that people were like, oh, you're, you're, she's definitely an anorexic, but my behaviors were extremely anorexic at times, and then they would yo-yo back and I would, you know, be alone with the ice cream. So that's what it was like. And the overeating's been in place as long as I can remember my whole growing up, um, I was reaching for more food and I, I, I love sugar, I love bread, I love volume, you know and, um, and that's, that's what it is and then when I was and, and pretty young, like ten eleven twelve I started um, dieting and abusing exercise, and so I just sort of lived in that really sad little cycle until um, until I got here so um, so so what happened is I told you I hit a bottom and um, and then. You know, after that, and I, and it's hard, it's sometimes hard for me to say like, oh my gosh, it's been, you know, 17 and a half years, like, and, and, and what happened feels like this long continuum of like, it's still happening. You know, my road in this program is I have had a sponsor the entire time. Not, not the same sponsor, but I've, I've never gone without a sponsor and I've never stopped going to meetings and I've never stopped sponsoring women. There's one woman in this program. I've sponsored her for 13, almost 14 years. Um, But and and I work and I've and I've since gone into another program. So I'm always working the steps in some capacity and life continues to baffle me and surprise me and scare me sometimes. And there's times in my life where I am feeling so deeply connected to my higher power and and my higher power. I'll talk about that a little bit for anyone that's new or anyone that struggles with that. I have, I, my family, my mom's side of the family is really spiritual. So growing up, there was that influence for me of different forms. It's not one thing, but a lot of different things. So growing up, I had a sense of a power greater than myself and a sense of faith. But it would come in very, like, just fleeting moments, like coming out to California on, on a scholarship. But it would come in in these fleeting moments. I remember, like, driving over a bridge once when I was about 10, and there was a lot of hard stuff going on in my family. And I just had this moment of, like, I am going to be okay And everything is going to be okay. But they were really fleeting. It was that. It was me praying to my higher power to like fix this, just fix this, and then and then I'll be good or something like that. So I didn't have a personal relationship with the higher power really until I came in here. And that's an ever evolving thing. I find now um, meditation and prayer and writing every morning. My sponsor actually, when I check in with her, part of my format for her is I let her know if I prayed and meditated that morning, if I read something spiritual. Um, and then we talked about other things. But, like, but anchoring anchoring myself in some kind of spiritual practice every day, and it doesn't have to look like anybody else's, and it doesn't have to be what any book tells me to do, um, that, is, that is the cornerstone of my program at the, at the moment. Because without that, even if, I'm, if I don't take that little moment for myself before I head out into the day, I, I just never know where my thoughts are going to take me. And I'm really addicted to my thinking. For the most part now, food is not a problem i i there are days when i want to eat more there are days when i when i freak out about i should be thinner i should be blah blah and i'm pregnant with my third child right now so i'm about you know i'm, I'm just going to watch my butt you know it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and it gets smaller and, smaller and smaller and that is such a surrender and i couldn't do it without being in here without you know being able to it's a whole other realm for me of surrendering what i need to eat and when and you know things i normally live on i can't touch and and all that sort of thing but um But I'm addicted to my thinking, and my thinking is my worst enemy in terms of, um, you know, compare and despair with other people, or fear that, you know, if X, Y, or Z doesn't happen, then, you know, my head just automatically goes to worst-case scenario. I'm not going to be okay. It's not, and I've always been okay. That's the thing. So I need that prayer, meditation, reading time in the morning so that I can address that thinking. Food will be next. If my if my thinking gets too crazy, eventually I will get back to the food. But the thinking is what I have to kind of wrestle with on a daily basis. And my time is, you know, I don't have hours to sit there and and focus in. I'm, I like, you know, I do five to ten minutes of meditation in the morning. I read a couple of pages. I say some prayers on my knees, and that's it because I have a four and a half year old and a two year old, and everybody's getting out of the house and on all of that. So, um, so I I I feel like what I keep being surprised by and moved by, both in my own life and in the lives of so many phenomenal people that I've grown, to, that, I've, that I've come to know and love and have close friendships with in this program, is is how, um, if I just, if I, do, if I do what the book says, and I was reading a little bit in the big book this morning, it's in How It Works, it's After the Promises, and it talks about, you know, every day is a chance for me to bring my higher powers' will into all of my activities, all of them. And my only prayer really needs to be, how can I be of service? Like, and and my one of my favorite prayers is just, you know, please God, let me be the person you want me to be. Like, just let in, in whatever realm. And that checks my ego because my ego still wants cash, prizes, recognition. Mm-hmm be a size zero, have $12 million, and then I probably still want more. It just still wants all of that in some form. And if I focus on being of service and I focus on really just moment to moment, like what, what should I do next and being willing rather than forcing myself into force, trying to force myself to find a solution, force myself to find an answer, force myself to whatever, just to allow myself to hear it, Usually, I'm led in the right way, and that's what's been so astonishing. When I look back on the road of my life, all the miracles that have happened, I do not think I would be married to this beautiful person that I'm married to, have these children, have this home, like all of these things which I actually always wanted, but I always thought I wanted the other self-serving stuff more. Like none of that stuff really matters. I just want the security of like everybody thinking I'm great and having all this and that and the other. And I do still work, and I work in my field of choice. It, I don't, it's not with the, um, you know, banners, headlines that my head thought I wanted. Um, and, and if that's, I honestly believe, too, if that's God's will for me, that will probably happen. But I don't know if it is. And, and I can't even, I don't honestly have the mental energy or time to, like, think about, am I going to want that in 10 years? I have no idea. I know that what matters most to me today is, is feeling good about myself when I go to bed at night. Like, did I feel good about how I treated my body? Did I feel good about how I was in my interactions with the world? I am so thankful for the ninth step and that I have the tool of making amends and saying I'm sorry. I am so wildly imperfect within so, in so many of my affairs. And I'm, you know, just in terms of, you know, losing my temper with my children or being snappy with my husband or whatever. And I get to say I'm sorry. And I get to clean it up. And I get to truly own it. And then I don't have to be plagued by it. And I don't have to eat over it or starve over it or beat myself up over it or take myself down for it and basically take myself out of my life because I'm so obsessed with how imperfect I was and how badly I messed up and how do I atone for it and how do I make sure you like me. Like, I don't have to spend time doing that anymore. Um, and, and you know, that's not to say there's no days that I don't feel like, oh, I, you know, I made a big mistake, whatever. But it just, the cleanup time is so much faster, whether it's with the food, whether it's with relationships, whether it's with whatever. Um I am a huge, huge, huge believer in, in rigorous, rigorous, rigorous honesty. And I feel like I keep learning, that, like, that definition keeps deepening and deepening for me in here. I know I have the right sponsor because I'm willing to tell her anything I eat, any weird, any behaviors I start to get into, anything I did with another person that I don't feel good about. I've had sponsors where I felt, and this wasn't on them, this was on me and just where I was in my recovery or where I was with my trust or whatever, where I wasn't willing to disclose certain things. And I'd tell them most of the truth, but I wouldn't tell them all of the truth. And then I would end up doing more and more of that little sneaky behavior, whatever it was. And they'd wonder why I was kind of sounding restless, irritable, and discontent. So, um, you know, my bottom line abstinence is I don't binge, I don't purge, I don't starve. But there are different times in my program where just with my food, like if there is a time where a food or a food behavior is getting a little louder or bigger than then I can handle it for serenity. I might text my sponsor every day for 30 days, that I'm just staying off this, that, or the other, because my absence is, I eat all foods moderately. I really do. Even that sugar and bread that I, you know, was known, was known to take me out, that's, it's not in my absence that I don't eat that, but I really stay accountable with my sponsor about it. For the most part, I stay away from it because it does not serve me. If there's a time that I have it in my life, that's fine, but I tell her about it so that it doesn't become this thing that that rattles around in my brain and takes me down the crazy road. So, rigorously, rigorously honest um, with her and with other fellows, like, I have a really close group of of friends in this program, and I feel like I really can call them at 11 o'clock at night and say, like, I want to open the cupboards. I do. And that's all I have to say, usually, for that urge to go away. Um... Or call a friend and say, like, today it feels like my self-worth is based on my size. Like, it feels like that today. And I want to turn that over to God, and I want to turn that over to you. And that's kind of how I work the program on a daily basis. I make a ton of outreach calls. All my time in the car alone, which is not that much, but it's all... Away calls. I feel like my my other good friends, and I have good friends who are not in this program. I feel like we never talk to each other unless we happen to see each other because the intimacy and the the honesty of the connection with people in these rooms is unparalleled for me. And and how how the fullness of the conversations we can have just trading voicemails. Um, so how much time do I still have? A little bit of time. Um, I feel like. Um, you know, the thing that I, um, I feel like there was so I had so many things that I was going to bring up, um, I hear a lot of people talking about multiple addictions in here. You know, for me, I guess my history with with that and with other substances is that I just don't have the tolerance for them that I have for food. So I, you know, food is the high that would go on and on and on and on and on and on and on for me. The other things I would just kind of pass out too quickly so that it didn't last. So then I would just eat to feel better after those things. So I just said, well, I should just skip to the eating. Um, And that... And I think that's you know that's the god-sized hole, and and that's something that also, um, you know, just currently what will what will come up is that you know that there's the never enough, like I never have enough, I never do enough, I am never enough, and so that mantra for me, which I learned in here, which I recently I heard another speaker who I love um, bring that up in her share recently, and I've so it's brought it back for me, and it's something that on a daily basis I'm reciting a lot I am enough I have enough I do enough because um because again I feel like my you know I it's there's this dual existence in me you know there's this part of me that is so deeply connected to my higher power and and can live in that space of faith and trust and abstinence and you know a clean beautiful life sort of devoid of my agenda all the time but right next to like right right next to it is that voice that wants what I want and there's never enough and there's always more and and this many years in program that part of me is not gone at all and it rears its head plenty of times so I have to have these little phrases little mantras little um keystones that I that that anchor me um and from that there's you know all sorts of deep wonderful offshoots and write in my for hours and have Long conversations about you know my higher power, but I need those. I think the main there's there's a lot of spiritual influences in my life that I love. But something about the twelve steps. I never got the kind of um, consistent serenity that I have gotten by coming in here. And part of it is I think it's it's so it's explained so beautifully and so simply. So when I'm in doubt, I have multiple books. I have the big book. I have the twelve and twelve. I have the four today. There are so many books where I can go, and and read something that is clear and concise and that cuts through all the stuff in my head because my, you know, my disease is cunning, baffling, powerful, so it can talk a very fancy, pretty talk that can sound very sort of elevated and whatever, and I need something that cuts right through it, and the language of the 12 steps cuts right through it for me um, and really, really brings me back to I am powerless over food. I am also powerless over pretty much everything else what anybody else is going to do, what anybody else is going to say, what the outcome, I can put an effort out there in the world. I cannot control how it's going to come back. And my higher power needs to restore me to sanity because I can't restore myself. If I could, I would not need to be here, you know, and I desperately need to be here and life only keeps getting bigger. And, um, and I think, you know, my husband and I sat the other night, um, with someone, and we had, you know, we did a estate planning where we sort of planned for, you know, should anything happen to us, what happens, you know, who, we, we know who would take care of our children, but, like, getting it all down there legally, like, who takes care of our children, who, what happens to our house, like, all of that, and there is nothing like that to bring home, oh, my God, just thank you for life, thank you that we are all here today, thank you that we are healthy, thank you that we have each other, like, it just, it brings that home, and I mean, I, I had to hold back from just bursting into tears in the middle of that meeting, one, because, you know, thinking of these doomsday scenarios is difficult, but also because I am so grateful and so um, amazed, thank you, um, and so amazed that I actually can be present today and that I actually can appreciate these things. And to the point where I almost could, you know, where I could burst into tears just at being alive sometimes. And I think that's because I, I know what it's like to feel so cut off and so removed and so disconnected and so isolated that the fact that I can, um, that I can and that I choose to and that I have the willingness to, which is the result of coming here and coming here and coming here and coming here and never leaving, to be present and be grateful for the things in my life. That's really all I want. Like really, really, if I, if I break it down for myself, all I want out of this life is to be grateful for what my higher powers blessed me with. I've been blessed with so much and it, it hurts my heart so deeply when my disease, my ego, all of that gets in the way so that I can't feel it I can't receive it I can't give back I can't do those things so I think that's at the end of the day why I keep coming back because it it hurts too much to when those those screens start to come up and I start to feel like my agenda my you know my desire for control, all of that is cutting me off from, you know, what they say in the booklet, uh, bless you, bless you, bless you, <laughs> from, the, uh, from the sunlight of the spirit. So um, thank you all so much for being here, too. I'll wrap it up. <laughs> uh, this is the time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. If being, okay, Please remember if you ask a, if you ask a question, uh, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. And I'll repeat the questions after so everybody can hear them. Does anyone have any questions? Oh, I stand up again. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Anyone have questions? Yes. Yeah. Thank you. So much for your share. Thank you. So the question is, since um, having children in this program, am I able to put my program first? And the answer is yes. And there and there was a learning curve <laughs> when my daughter was born. She's uh, almost five. Um, I didn't make it to an in-person meeting for. I think like six months and finally my sponsor was like, I think you need to get to a meeting and, um, and she was right. (laughs) And, uh, I, and, and now I do now I get to three meetings a week. I even started a meeting at my own house after my kids go to bed so that I could get that third meeting in. Um, as I said, I, I, Pray, meditate, write. I take that spiritual time every morning. If for some reason I can't do it in the morning... Thank you. Um, can I get seven and change? Perfect. Um, I do find time later in the day to do it. I have sponsees. I have my sponsor who I call every day. I even call her on the weekends. She asks, you know, she asks me to. I do. Um, so, yes. So, I do feel like I'm able to put it first. And I do feel like there was a big learning curve. And, again, I feel part of that was the rigorous honesty. I couldn't lie to my sponsor that I was going to meetings and feeling great when I wasn't. and um, And I just you know, those little people push my buttons more than anything. So I need, in order to be a mom that I feel good about being in a person I feel good about being, I kind of have to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Yes. Yeah. Hi. Thank you for your share. Thanks. Thank you. Um, when you call your sponsor after all these years, do you still talk about food or call in your food or... So the question is, if, if after the time I've been in program, do I, when I call my sponsor, do I still talk about the food, call in my food, address my food? And the answer is, is yes, if it's up. Um, I call her every day, so I feel like I stay really current with her. And some days the message is absolutely about food, because what I check in about with her is my abstinence, which can be, am I abstinent, but is there anything going on with my food that I need to talk about? And then did I pray? Did I meditate? Did I read something spiritual? How am I feeling? Do I need a call back? And so that abstinence part really does keep me current. And I've actually been counting. There's a particular behavior that had snuck in for me, and I wasn't feeling good about it at all. So I've actually been count not adding it to my abstinence, but counting days um, of not doing that behavior because it keeps me accountable, and I need that. Again, I'm just so sneaky that I can do something and then sort of forget that I did it. If I have the awareness around I am intentionally, consciously, with my higher power, like, asking for the willingness to stay away from X, Y, or Z, and I count days around it, I'm, like, I bring a new level of consciousness to it, and I do that. So I definitely talk about that with her. And then there's periods of time that go on that's like, yep, food's clean, and I, and we keep going. So I do find that the food um, has never vanished completely for me, so I have to stay, stay current with it. Yeah. Yes? Yeah. Um, you talked about non Mm-hmm. How do you stay in today? So the question is, um, it's how do I stay in today? Because I did say that I don't really have the, <laughs> the capacity to project 10 years from now. Um, how I stay in today largely has to do with, um, with the spiritual practices that I talked about in the morning. And then just with checking myself throughout the day. I, you know, I, I can track, like, and, and food has always been the biggest indicator, but now that for the most part, I stay away from the compulsive behaviors. If I start doing compulsive behavior, I know I have to backtrack and figure out what's going on. But I, you know, I I have gotten more sensitive as the years have gone on to, you know, feelings in my body, pitch of my voice. Um, if If I start acting not so great with the people around me, I know my head is spinning either into the future or the past, like I'm actually not here. I'm worrying, usually it's for me worry, like I'm addicted to worrying. So I'm worrying about something. And I just have to check myself and bring, and I have, you know, it's all stuff I learned in here. I will go to the bathroom and close the door and get on my knees and take a couple breaths and say the serenity prayer. I will run into my closet. My iPhone signature is like sent from the closet because it's actually true a lot of the time. I will run into my closet <laughs> and make a quick call and just like download it to somebody that I trust in these rooms because usually what's getting me out of today is that projecting into the past or the future. So if I can clear it out, turn it over and I usually have to do it out loud in some form. Mm-hmm. Then I can come back. And then just, I will not mind be done. Like, let me do your will. Let me get out of the way. Yeah. Yes? Yeah. Uh, so I have a two-part question. One, um, you said you were a you teenager were when you joined the program. Mm-hmm. And I'm mean, in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. I just wondered if there were challenges with seeing you in the program and how you dealt with any of those. And also, this, um, you said you were just moved out here from mm-hmm. never still Yeah, mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. So the questions were, um, since I came in young, were there any challenges with coming in really young and being a really young person just since that's a crazy time of life? Right? <laughs> and then the second part is since I had just moved, um, was that transition hard and did the program help, help with the transition? To the, is that, did that Okay. So um, yes, uh, you know, I came in and I was in college and I was at a school where there was a lot of partying. So I think that's why the first year I was kind of on program legs. So I was like I can still do it this way and I can still do it this way. And um, and so but what I found is that the that I I have amazing friends outside of this program, but the friendships that I made in this program, I just clung to those a lot in the beginning. And and other young I found, you know, I would go to the young people's meeting. I, there were a couple meetings around that had a younger you know, a lot of younger people there, and I made friends, and I clung to those friends, and I found they were wonderful people who were creative like I was and doing what I was, so I leaned on those friendships a lot without letting the other ones go, and I just had to learn to say no. Like, I'm a people pleaser. I don't like saying no, but I just had to learn to say, like, I'm not going to that thing tonight because, again, it wasn't about those other substances, but it was about the diner. We'd end up at 3 in the morning where I would be taken out, but at the same time, I feel like, I had an amazing time, I don't feel like I missed out on anything, and so it was, um, and you're welcome to call me, we can talk more about it, but I just, I I had to put this first, because it meant, because I knew without it I had no life, and then I had to trust that the rest of it would fall into place, and it actually did, but I just, I made my friendships here and the people here kind of the heart of my life while I was really... Getting, getting abstinent and then in terms of the move um, I just feel like we're so lucky I feel like there's a really strong program on the east coast that like I feel like we are so blessed out here and the amount of meetings and the strength of the meetings so it did make that transition easier because any day of the week I could go on a fellowship and feel accepted and feel like I was part of a group in this new city and um, and and that actually it helped tremendously yeah yeah did you have a question uh, it sounds. I'm not sure that your husband, like your husband's a normie. He's a normie. Uh, mm-hmm. How involved is he in the crazy thoughts in your head, or I do mean, you keep that to yourself? <laughs> uh, the question is, um, my my normie husband, how involved or not is he in the craziness in my head? not that involved. (laughs) He's not that involved because it just reads as crazy to him. Like, God bless that man. (laughs) Like, God bless him. He loves me. He loves me crazy. He, like, he loves me and accepts me. But I know better than to try to get him to understand anything that goes on in here because he doesn't have that head. So I can't... I remember we've been together for 13 years and I remember... Kind of early on in our relationship, I was in program. and I had been in program for a while, but like we're on this vacation in Brazil, they all wear thongs in Brazil. I had this crisis in the hotel room, like I, can't, like a terrible body image, like I can't leave the hotel room because I felt like I didn't look like I had tried on Brazilian bathing suits that day. And, you know, he, he I mean, he just didn't get it at all. Like, you know, I I saw them like, this is what crazy looks like. And this is what normal looks like. And they don't match. And so, you know, that's one example. But since then, just my thinking, yes, I have to kind of keep it to my posse and my sponsor and do my best to actually not bring it to him too much. It doesn't mean I hide what I feel, but I'm just not going to, it's not going to make it better for either of us. So you know, it's, he knows there, it's nothing about being perfect, but yes, I just save it. I save it for my tribe. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Melanie. Could you talk about how your relationships have changed, if they have, with inside people? Sure. Your work world, your mm-hmm. other friends—sort of what it was like, what happened, and what it was like now. Sure. Yes. Yeah. So the question is, how have my uh, relationships changed with people and work and things that are outside of the rooms since being in the rooms? Um, I think part of it is natural selection. I think as I um, as I've changed on the inside, you know, the friendships. There's certain friendships I had before I was in program that I still have, and those are people that even though they're not in this room they seek honesty they seek depth they seek um just true connection and friendship and those people have remained my friends and there's people that have just sort of naturally fallen away because we just were no longer sort of speaking the same language i think the biggest thing i've noticed for me is cuz i feel like i've always been blessed with really phenomenal friendships um but with my family um i know prior to coming in here my uh, my role as I set it up for myself as I entered my family was so much about like how to present myself perfectly so that nobody was upset. Like I was just the people pleaser and the don't rock the boat and the walk on eggshells and make sure everything's fine and inside just freaking out like what did I do that everybody's not happy? What did I do that everybody's not happy? And I do go to another program where I learn a lot about that. But, um, but I, but I now feel like You know, and I have and it's not easy sometimes, with certain members of my family, it's still not easy. But I will set myself up before I and I love my family so much, but I will set myself up before I go to a gathering, to whatever. I will be on the phone, I will be on calls and I will you know, give myself a pep talk that I just need to be me. Like that's all I need to do and I don't need to make them happy and I like I can relax. I can relax and be me. And I think the ability to do that is However, I don't honestly know how they, a lot of them perceive me now, but I know I feel so different in those environments now. And I don't have to be sneaking down into the kitchen to eat the leftover desserts at 11 because I'm so nervous about what everybody else has been up to. And then with work, I think, um, again, I used to have these... I I only wanted to work with people or hang out with people or socialize with people or network people that were going to, like, help me, like, do something for me, like, shoot me to the top, like, and again, because my disease is, like, how can I get away with things, how can I do none of the work and end up at the top, and so, and, and, and and it's humbling to admit that, but that really is, I thought of, like, what can you do for me, and I don't do that anymore, I really don't, so much of, my whole relationship with my field of work has changed a lot because I, I have made a decision to spend more time at home with my kids and sort of out there trying to make things happen, and things do come my way, and I'm super grateful. But I'm not. Um, my uh, relationship to my work is not run by my agenda anymore, so again, I feel like um, I'm drawn to different kinds of projects. I respond to different types of people. And there's a lot of people that maybe once upon a time could have, quote-unquote, done a lot for me, but I don't want to be in the same room because it just doesn't... It feels yucky to me. So, yeah, seeking like-minded people <laughs> and, and going there. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah? How do you determine when it's time to make amends? So the question is, how do I determine when it's time to make amends? Um, it's how I feel on the inside. And again, I feel like this muscle of... You know, that intuitive voice, we relax and take it easy, we don't struggle, in intuitive thought or decision. It's that intuitive voice, if after an interaction with someone, if I'm having imaginary conversations with them, three, four, five, six times, I'm having those imaginary conversations several days later, where I'm either trying to explain myself or I'm mad at them or whatever, then something is off. And so I do, I do a little mini fourth step on it. Um, some, I, I write it down if I can. Sometimes I have to, like, call my sponsor in the car and leave a little fourth-step inventory and, and name my part, and then I can make an amends, and then I feel at peace again <laughs> for the next five minutes. Uh, yes? If your buttons are pushed during the day, you question is, if my buttons are pushed during the day, how do I access my power? And I'm only laughing because so often I don't. <laughs> so often I do it half an hour later. I mean, I just mean that with my kids sometimes. I am working um, like one of my just daily mantras on my knees with God is, please let me catch myself beforehand. Um, but but when my buttons are pushed, and there's, so there's certain people in my life, that I know are probably going to push them. So if I know I'm going to see those people or I see the phone ringing and it's that person, even if I... It doesn't happen that often that I randomly bump into one of them. But if it happens, there's just that internal pause before I talk, that just internal pause before I do something. That's where I can access my higher power. If, with my children, for example... um, it suddenly gets crazy really fast and it escalates really, really fast. On my, on my blessed moments, on my good days, I actually take a time out. You know, I call it, you know, it's my mommy break. I'm like I'm going into my room for a second and I go in there and I sit down and they know I'm there and sometimes they come in too and I just take a couple breaths. And I just say it's okay and I'm powerless and nobody's out to get me. That's my thing. I usually react because I forget. That nobody's out to get me. Like they're just people are just doing their day. Especially my toddler, you know, just doing his day, and it's not about me. And the minute I remember it's not about me, I usually don't have to react because, you know, because I have I have compassion for that. I can relate to that. So, that's what I strive for. I do it sometimes. (laughs) Yes, Cheryl. What is your concept of higher power, and what is that for you? Thank you. Um, the question is, what is my concept of a higher power, and what does step three look like for me? That's a big question. <laughs> my, so, um, my concept of my higher power—I feel it is—it is not boxed. There's not one definition I can give for it, but it is all-encompassing in everything, in everyone, part of absolutely everything, and it's my job to seek it. I mean, sometimes it's very apparent, you know, those moments floating out in the ocean, you know, sometimes in nature it's very apparent. Sometimes with a loved one it's very apparent. But out in the world in my day, um, you know, I'm a big believer in in looking for signs and looking for, you know, just nudges from my higher power. And I believe that I can find that higher power anywhere in anything and that sometimes the most challenging, um, thank you, challenging, challenging moment situations for me are my higher power just asking me to draw closer? And I and that and unconditional love is something that I'm still that I deeply believe and that I still find I have to check myself and remind myself that I believe on a daily basis because my perfectionism runs so deep that I sometimes can forget in my worst moments that my higher power loves me unconditionally and accepts me unconditionally and accepts all the yucky and accepts all the everything. So But I do deeply believe that. And I think that's, like, the juiciest part of my relationship with with my higher power that that we keep dialoguing about is that unconditional love. And also really, really, really wants what's best for me. Like, no, really actually isn't leaving me out in the cold while everybody else gets what they want. Really doesn't want me, like, you know... dissatisfied with my body while everybody else loves theirs like doesn't want all that stuff that sometimes I get like why me da 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 and and that's me actually saying that that's not my higher power and step three um step three is a daily or multiple times daily um step it you know I think the first time I took it it was that thing of like oh my god like look at everything I get to surrender I get to surrender it all I'm free and now it's like and every day I take I take something back so it's just like it's the little things that add up to the big thing and it's I'm surrendering traffic I'm surrendering my kids sleep I'm surrendering you know I was really nauseous for the last couple months with this baby like surrendering that like just surrendering it all surrendering money just Everything, And so it's just like throughout the day, I've come to lean on it so much. And I just turn over the little stuff. And the end of the day, I feel like, thank you, God, it was an awesome day. So did you have the hand up? No, I just didn't know if it was my time or if it was. Thank you for sharing. Uh, sort of piggybacking on Carol's question and your answer making no in your 17 years, have you had have you experienced a period of a bit of a, a crisis of faith where you were were not as connected with God or, or felt dissatisfied and wasn't, weren't able to shape that? And if, if you have experienced that, how did you uh, how did you work Oh, I yeah. have. Um, the question was in uh, Have I experienced a crisis of faith where I felt? you know, distant or cut off um, from my higher power. I wish I could say no to that question. <laughs> um, but I, absolu- I, I absolutely have. Um, there's been some big uh, some big things. My husband and I, before we were engaged, kind of went to hell and came back. And that was the big crisis of faith. I, I had done something. I had taken what I thought was a leap of faith. The result was so horrific and horrendous in the moment. It ended up being a beautiful thing, like stepping stone to... Our relationship now, but things were so dark for a while. Um, There have been times in my life where I have so believed and felt in my gut, in my soul, that something was coming, that something was right. It didn't happen. It went the other way. And I have felt betrayed and and, and, like, what has all this been then? Like, if I can't trust, if I trusted that voice and then that voice and then it was all wrong, like, why am I even doing this? Everybody else, look at all that self-will and look what they all have. I think I should go do self-will. Like, <laughs> I think I want self-will. And, um, and all I know for me is that when I choose self-will and I've toyed with it over the 17 years in various ways, I just end up miserable. And when I choose my higher power and when I choose the steps and I choose to come here, I just end up feeling good and I guess I would just rather end up feeling good and feeling at peace and feeling like I can laugh during the day and feeling like I can kind of turn my brain off at night, and when I choose to pull i can 't do that, so that 's why I end up back and letting other people pull me back, you know like Thank God for people that have been here longer than me or even people that haven't been as long but that have also gone through that. That I can call and say, I like don't believe today. And I say, That's okay, I'll believe for you. And, and I just kind of stick with it. I think just keep coming, you know, I keep coming back. Yeah, um, I think we're at time. I have one minute. One minute, yes. <laughs> So the question is is my five year old now I'm in, in programme. She doesn't know um sort of the banner of OA yet, but she knows that I have spiritual practices. She does a lot of them with me, which is so amazing. It's just on her own, it's like she wants to. She like she wants to. And she knows that we like we say prayers together. She knows like she knows little phrases like, Is that my time? Okay. One day at a time, take three breaths, surrender to prayer. She kind of knows so it's I'm layering it on her. She's going to, you know, and when she's a little older I think we'll have the specific conversations, but I think the food conversation would be a little over her head right now. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> um,